There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. This is the road <laughs> to infinity. Welcome to the Road to Infinity podcast. That, of course, was the Mighty Thor theme for the 1966 cartoon. Uh, the first time uh, Thor got to really strut his stuff in uh, something more than the comic in the uh, comic book panel. Uh, we'll be discussing the Mighty Thor movie. So, I actually have someone with me today. I actually have Shaw. Hello. Uh, we'll be talking about Thor from 2011. Uh, let's see. So, let's see. Last time we were talking about. Uh, Iron Man 2, which came out in May of 2010. Uh, now, so something significant has happened in in the industry between these two movies, and that's that Disney purchased Marvel Entertainment. However, at the time, nothing much had changed. So they they said, okay, all existing deals are still existing. Everything was fine. Everything that happens after the the movies that have already been in production will be ours. So they basically said, for the movies that are coming out now, Thor... Uh, then Captain America for Avengers. That's Paramount. Like Paramount paid for those movies. Like it already had those deals in place. It'll just be ours. Like the, like from that time on, that's when we'll take over and we'll just, you know, we'll make the money, but we won't mess with anything else. So when this movie comes out, it still has the Paramount logo in front of it. Oh, I don't notice that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I, I actually, in the, in the home video releases, I don't know if they've gone back. I think they know as far as back as, Iron Man still has Paramount in front of it, and I think Thor does as well. I think that even stays because later on that, that deal will eventually will change, but the logos remain because that's, those are the companies that were distributing them. That, that's really what they were, essentially. Marvel was paying for the movies on their own mm -hmm. and then using the other, like Paramount, uh, and well, slightly universal, but mostly Paramount to distribute them. Got it. Which is how, when you go to Universal Studios, they still have some of this stuff, uh, but now you know Disney's also getting on. To that's it. a that's a weird aside, and you know this 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 might end up. So uh, at the time when Marvel was just Marvel Comics or Marvel Entertainment, and they were their own entity, uh, Universal came to them and said, "Hey, we want to put your stuff in a theme park." And because there's intense, really, really bitter rivalry between Universal and and uh, Disney in terms of Florida, they said, "We want to sign your characters to show up in our park." forever and at the time marvel didn't have that much money or that clout they said great where do we sign how much money do we get and they signed it away and so they, wow. they basically universal has unlimited rights to use marvel characters in their park and no other theme park can use marvel characters in their park within 500 miles oh that's so brilliant <laughs> it was one of those things that they locked it down and because the, it's a it's a perpetual 
you know, a perpetual deal, it, they're still there and, and will remain there. So even though Universal kind of is advertising product doesn't belong to them, I feel like they're doing it out of spite. <laughs> they just want to have it because because we can. Well, and I think, I also think that they make a lot of money off of it. Yeah, you can take a picture with Thor, you can see him. It, it actually enables them. Otherwise, they've been, they've been picked kind of clean. And there's not much except Harry Potter that they're that they've got left. So that's right. Yeah. And so and, and so and so that 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 that's for Florida, but that doesn't deal. That doesn't count for California. So Disneyland can put Marvel stuff in, no problem. But the only stuff Marvel can put in at, at down at Disney World are things that were not covered by that deal, characters that quote unquote didn't exist or weren't really a part of that. So that's why you might see a Guardians of the Galaxy things show up at Walt Disney World, but you will not see an Iron Man attraction show up at Walt Disney World. It's just one of those weird things going around with, with rights and, and licenses and things. So in the uh, in, in terms of the comic book, uh, like we, we talked about with Iron Man 2, the comic books were hitting a high streak. Thor has always been a difficult character to understand, to write, to have in there. In He has a long, long history. He's one of the longest lived uh, characters at Marvel. Um, but he hasn't hasn't had the greatest storylines. There's been people like Walt Simonson did long, long, fantastic runs with this stuff, but beyond that that sort of era, there's not been a whole lot in there. And he's a very difficult character to integrate with everyone else. So because he's he's a god, he's he's long lived, he has all these powers, he's immensely more powerful than than any other character in the Marvel Universe, at least at the time. So it's difficult to bring him into sort of a regular like right. Thor's not gonna stop a mugging. You know, it's it's a little bit it's it's a little bit outside of things. So having with the Avengers is, is a little bit because there's a lot of power there, but then you still have to have a threat that's that's significant there. So he's always been problematic. A lot of what we're seeing in what we'll see in the Thor movie here that we're going to talk about is comes from a, a later run that that happened around probably about the same time about 2008 2009 or so. A uh, guy named J, uh, what known as JMS Joseph Michael Straczynski. Uh, he is a prolific writer who created Babylon 5 and wrote probably 90% of the episodes. And this was during like the late 80s, early 90s when that was not done. Like the idea that one guy would write a majority of a television show, especially like a 22 episode season was not done. And he wow. did it. And he said it nearly broke him, but he did. So he is his major sci-fi geek cred. And so he came into comic books sort of with a lot of uh, big head of steam of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do comic books. Right? And from there he developed a reputation and not a particularly good reputation. <laughs> the reputation is JMS always comes in with a big idea and a, and a big concept and big changes. Like, I'm, this is going to be big. It's going to be epic. It's going to be this awesome storyline. And then he sort of slowly fades away and then he leaves the book before he's done. Oh. And he's done this over and over and over again, even on his own creator owned work. He, I, I'm not sure what, what it is, if it's just. Other commitments that pay more because comics uh, as a as a creator does not pay well, or if it's just he just runs out of steam or he just loses interest. Uh, but he's he done he did it with Superman, he did it with Thor, he did it with Midnight uh, uh, Midnight Nation, he did it with Rising Stars. He's it's like it's a perpetual thing. And at this point, he just doesn't write comic books anymore. Wow. So and I, and I think that it was a mutually agreed upon thing. How about this? Is not your medium. So. A lot of the ideas in this, and, and there's a reason I'm talking about him specifically. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to disparage him, even though it, it does sound like this. I'm a big fan of his. I've met the man. I, I've shook his hand. I've gotten his autograph. He is a huge, huge force and a, and a fantastic writer. He just has this funny little quirk about not finishing his stories. <laughs> so a lot of what comes to so, so in the comic books, 
Ragnarok had happened uh, and the gods had been essentially wiped out, except Thor had sort of worked out a deal that made it so they didn't all die, that he was sort of involved in the... It, it's very, very meta, so we don't have to get into the specifics. But what it happens is all the, the gods of Asgard came to Earth and landed in human bodies, and only Thor was like sort of around and he tried to try to bring them back together because Asgard had been destroyed. So he had to go and find them trapped in people's bodies uh, and, and bring it back. And so when he did, he reformed Asgard and he reformed it in New Mexico, actually in Oklahoma, really, but they, they, in the movie, they move it to New Mexico, but he reformed Asgard as a flying city in Oklahoma. Sure. Yeah, sure. Because like, why wouldn't you? you know? And so then every, as you find the Asgardians, he would bring them back. And so they had, so, they basically had, they had a mailbox that they put out in front of it. It was this really interesting story of like people having to live with gods just have, strolling into town to to get a meal. You know, <laughs> these just down and 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 everyone was just like, okay. They, the the thing that was fun about it is the town just sort of got on with life. Like they said, they the mail they figured out uh, that where they were, and the, there's a whole scene of like the mailman comes and just puts down like in the middle of this empty field because the Asgard of course is floating. It's this giant rock floating in the sky. He just bangs in a a mailbox and like write Asgard on the side and then puts a couple letters in and goes away. It was an interesting idea. And so that's, that's sort of where this, this whole idea of Thor coming to earth in this rural town uh, comes from. Uh, and the other reason I, I mentioned JMS is because he's in the movie ah. uh, because so much of his ideas were used. And I think he also did a draft of the screenplay. He's a cameo in the movie. Um, he is um, the guy who originally finds the hammer that when it falls oh, to yeah, Earth. Oh yeah, with the truck. That's yeah. JMS. That's Joseph. That's J. Yeah. That's J. Michael Straczynski. He he's the one who goes and like stops the car and gets out and then tries to move it. And then he's in the, uh, one of the later scenes too. But uh, yeah, so they gave him actually a, a cameo, which was as as for comic book writers, that was actually a pretty nice thing to do because most of the movies do not do that. They don't acknowledge them. So there you go. So there's there's sort of the, the history say that. So I hope oh, I won't sound like I'm mansplaining to Shaw. <laughs> this is just I'm just I'm just trying to set the scene of, of where we're at. So did you see Thor when it originally came out in theaters? Yes, I did. And uh I went because of Kenneth Branagh. Okay. Had you seen I we I say I know you're you're a new guest on this even though I, I know you for for a long time. Uh, had you you'd seen all the other Marvel movies, right? I've seen all the other Marvel movies, but I was not a Marvel uh fan. Um, ah, okay. I went with my husband to see Iron Man, and really I just thought, well, you know, whatever. It looks like it might not be a bad movie. Just for the sake of popcorn action summer blockbuster idea, I thought, oh, whatever. <laughs> he remembered it from childhood in the comics and everything, and was, you know, from the moment that the first trailer dropped, was excited. So I went to see that, and then I had seen Iron Man 2, and, and now we get to Thor, and I thought, well, I love Kenneth Branagh, and so I'm very mm -hmm. interested to see what a real director, a Shakespearean trained, yeah. you know, classically trained Shakespearean actor turned director, what he does with this material, because it's very epic. It's very grand. Um, and I thought the cast looked interesting and, you know, uh, Anthony Hopkins at this point, I really didn't know Liam, uh, excuse me. Um, oh my God, Chris Hemsworth. Whoops. I spoke with the lesser Hemsworth. What am I doing? That's what drew me in. I thought, what the heck? Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll see it. It'll be fun. And well, I won't get into the rest of it, but yes, I saw it in the movie theater, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that, I think that that's I think that can be the the uh, the the tagline of this movie is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, because uh, you're right, Kenneth Branagh is a fantastic actor and director. Is still you know still making great stuff, but you're right, he's predominantly known as Shakespearean stuff. I even looked you know as IMDb page for this, and like it is he has not directed a lot of movies for as long as of careers he's had. And most of them have been Shakespeare or Shakespeare adjacent. And I would say this one would probably be Shakespeare adjacent. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons that they picked him for this. 
because they had this big operatic family dynasty, you know, with all these Shakespearean themes of the scheming brother and the, the, you know, the, the headstrong son and this, and the, the distant father and all those things. I mean, those are, those fall right into those Shakespearean themes, but yeah, it's, it's I thought the one, the one, uh, weird anomaly on his uh, IMDb page. I was going, I was like, oh yeah, he directed Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. That was an early one. Which is the Mary Shelley's one? He was in it, right? It was after Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, it was that. So we're talking about the same time frame. Okay. Yes, the same time frame. And that was with uh, uh, Robert De Niro as the monster. Right. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. If you don't remember it, it's the one that has the the bizarre amniotic slip and slide scene. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Super gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, it's one of those things. I, I, I haven't seen it in since then, so I don't know how it holds up, but I remember it not being a fan of it at the time. And, I, and the thing is, I, I love Ted Bright. I think his he's done Hamlet multiple times. Oh, yes. Every time, it's always interesting and good. It's, he's one of my favorite. He's He himself is my favorite Hamlet, uh, performance-wise, because there was a recording of that they put out when he was a young man just out of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yes. Was, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've listened to that but i'm a huge kenneth Branagh fan for that chris Evans is an interesting case because uh marvel one of marvel's strengths and i, and I, I i'm sorry for those of you who've listened to all the the podcasts that, that i keep saying the same stuff over and over again but one of the strengths of marvel is their casting they are really really good at picking the right people and putting them in the right places and i know the directors have a lot of pull with that consistently movie after movie they're putting the right people in the right positions and you're making a movie called thor about a Norse god come to Earth, and you pick an unknown. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of weight to put on an actor. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 it it succeeded. Hemsworth is fantastic in it. He is the guy. And now that we've we've sort of known him for ten years, you know, or you know, I guess not ten years at that point, but eight years now, um, is that he's very different now than he he does. So we can see how the character develops, like. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is Tony Stark. Like, yeah, there's not you can't separate you can't separate them. Yep. Yeah, and like, and Tony Stark has pretty much become Tony. He just is that same one. But Thor definitely has an evolution from from where we are, from where he starts out to where he sort of ends up, even in this movie. Yes, and I think that's the point. And I would I would wager to say that that's they're trying to get to that point with all of their characters without without digressing into too much of the rest of the marvel lore here for focusing on this movie alone but each of the main characters they have been attempting to show a good character arc throughout the different movies that they appear in whether it's their own separate trilogies or whether it's how they Mm -hmm. appear in the in the group movies the avenger films um i think they've done a really good job of showing for the most part the main main characters some of the periphery ones i think they they didn't do a lot with but and we can we can argue about the robert downey jr arc and all of this jazz or even captain america who i think has had i don't know the least uh, whatever we're not talking about that movie i rewatched this movie i don't know like a week ago maybe and he is such an obnoxious brat at the beginning he is the product well you know what i'm going to lead to here in a second but he's the product of a home environment where he was treated as the son of the king you know the crown prince his entire life he was praised for his prowess with his strength um and wielding the mighty mjolnir and all of this jazz he's a complete uh 
he's very into himself. Let's put it that way. He's narcissistic. He believes that he always knows the right answer and so forth. They set him up very well that way at the beginning of this movie. And obviously, you know, he's cast out. He's um, sent on his hero's journey to find out a little bit more about himself and come back more balanced and not so trigger happy. And, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the, it's what they tried to do with Poe Dameron in the latest last Jedi movie. Give him a little, you know, take him down a peg and help him understand that you don't always, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. <laughs> so anyway, so yes, I, I forget where we were going, but we'll come back to Thor. No, 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 that's exactly, exactly where I was going. Because that, that, Thor essentially is like white privilege the character. That's true. Like he true. has everything handed to him. He's, you're absolutely right. Yep. It's so interesting that they start out a movie with a, especially like a, a com- like this this is an independent film sure you would do this kind of thing but for a comic book movie to have your main character be uh, you're spoiled entitled have everything have been, always been handed to him of course i'm going to be the king of course i'm the most powerful like right. everything about right. it is is right. that's exactly what i'm supposed to be this is exactly what's supposed to happen because i'm thor yeah by virtue of me just breathing and and the fact that we don't Instantly, because he is everything that you know. As a, as a small, as a as a former small nerdy kid and a currently nerdy adult, um, this is everything that I hated. Like the, he is the jock. Mm-hmm. He is the asshole. He's like surrounded by his 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 posse. Yep. Who are equally insufferable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not all of them. It's, but. The, it's the and both I can say between Kenneth Branagh and and Chris Hemsworth, the fact that we don't hate him. In the first like half hour of this movie is a testament of filmmaking because on paper we should despise this guy by this point and not care about him getting a redemption arc at all, but we do. We're still like on board with it. I I'm on board with seeing whether or not he figures out what he's supposed to figure out, but I do not like his character. Oh no! I mean, I think they did a good job. Like I I think he's an a hole, and if he continued to act that way, you know, you're like, well, when does he get killed off? Because this guy is insufferable. And he's not fit to be the king. And what the hell are they thinking? But I come back to Odin's poor judgment, which yes. oh yes, bad, bad father of the of the millennia, Odin. Oh, he's he's literally the cause of so much strife and problem. Yes, the idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and then we can move on. Uh-huh. He created the dynamic between Loki and Thor. He Absolutely. knew from the very beginning that there was never going to be Loki never had a chance ever. And Loki calls him out on it during the movie. Yes. Um, when he finally realizes his upbringing and so forth and then snaps because he's been, you know, like you said, Thor was set up as this perfect jock and, you know, strength is what's prized in this mm-hmm. kingdom. Warrior like traits are what's prized. Mm-hmm. And he's got all of them. Whereas his brother is the shot. No, I say the shy, but the quiet, nerdier, smaller uh, stature one who is good with books. And he has to result to trickery and manipulation to get, you know, what he wants and to achieve anything because he cannot compete on a purely physical scale with his brother. Nobody can. That's the whole point. Thor's the strongest and the fastest and the bravest and, you know, whatever. So this automatically forces Loki into, all right, well, if I'm going to survive, I've got to figure out what I'm good at. And he is a master survivor. That's right. But but Odin has set all this up. So now when all this strife happens, the other the other thing that's so great about the movie that I think is hilarious is that he's it's at the last minute when his son is rocking in like the conquering hero at the moment you think he's going to be crowned king that the dad goes, you know what? Forget this. Uh-huh. In fact, you're a total a-hole and I'm not going to do this because you're not ready. I'm sending you somewhere else. Yeah. So I just have to laugh that all of that, I, I don't know, I, I, I crack up like how dense is he? How stupid is he? He probably should never have been king, Odin. <laughs> 
And then he, he, you know, set up this entire conflict that never would have happened if he'd allowed, you know, if he'd been honest about what was what, then, you know, things might have been very different. And then at the, um, I won't, I won't spoil anything for the rest of the movies that come after this mm-hmm. Thor 2 and 3, but he continues his poor judgment. Oh, yes. In the second one, you know, you're basically just playing out what happens when, you know, the, these people come back and you know, the ether, whatever. Yeah. But the third one? You realize if you think he was a shitty parent to, to his sons, oh yes, and I'm going to end it right there. Just finish it all right there the, the, and say the depths of his bad parenting have yet to be plumbed. Outstanding, and the and the best part is, well, again, I don't want to spoil that yeah. movie. We're not yeah. talking about that movie, but it really just a weird one because you really realize he's awful. The last piece of it is, um, he, I believe, he's the whole reason that the Earth ever got sucked into any of the Infinity Stone nonsense because he's the one who hid it there to begin with, uh, up at, you know, if, in Captain America, um, but also with by <laughs> tossing Thor down there with Mjolnir, mm-hmm. he's I, you came up with the line. He treats the Earth like his personal junk drawer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Ah, Midgard, whatever. They're just mortals. Nobody gives a shit about them. They've got doctors. You know, know, it's like it's like you know, you you bury something in the back hills of Mississippi. No one's gonna look for it there. Nobody's gonna look for it there. I've buried it, I've sent it away somewhere, you know. In any case, I just I wanted to bring that up because No, you're absolutely right. And that which 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 brings us to the natural progression then of Loki and the casting of Tom Hiddleston and a thousand Tumblr pages were launched. I mean, right? the, setting up Thor as being such a a jerk as as being really makes us empathize more with Loki. I mean, yep. Loki has, is I, I think uh, I once I once met Mark Wade who's a big comic book writer and he talked about that villainy turned essentially like movie villainy and, and comic villainy everything turned in 1988 when hans gruber showed up like from that point oh, everything was different and i say the same thing happened with loki like when loki showed up i think everything turned they're like oh wait yeah they can be static they can be i mean it's he's handsome he's funny he's charismatic he's skeeving he's lying but at the same time you're kind of on his side because you see where he's coming from he's mm-hmm. he is full-on evil and doing terrible things at the same time you can like yeah i kind of get it yeah. Like, you get where he's coming from because of, of where he came from. And, you know, you don't go, yeah, get him, Loki. Well, some people might. But <laughs> you're not necessarily like, like, I hope he wins. But at the same time, you're like, well, that's got a point. Yeah, that's it. And frankly, you, you really can't blame him. I won't get into the feminist aspects of this movie because that's another whole podcast. We can really dig in on that and, and the fact that are there women in this movie? Oh, yeah, they're right. There are. <laughs> but yeah. what's their agency and what when do they have power and how does it exercise and all this and what happens when they get too powerful? And- I, I was watching it again with sort of thinking that too with like Natalie Portman and I was oh, like, yeah. oh, they made her a bad driver. That's character development for you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It reminded me of of that um, that that terrible terrible movie from the nineties uh, called I know it was early two thousands called Evolution with David Duchovny. Yes, and they had Julianne Moore in there, and yep. her her entire character was clumsy. Oh. That's it. Like she had no like that was it. It was just like uh, she'd walk up the stairs and she'd fall. Ha ha. Character. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but at the same time, there are. I think Natalie Portman does does a great job of being like a a smart scientist who is onto her stuff. And even though you can tell her head is turned by this this handsome man meat that has shown up on her doorstep, she still is is trying to get her stuff done. Yes, that's true. So it's not like whatever you want, Thor. Like where do you want to go, Thor? Yeah, she doesn't suddenly forget what she was working on because this handsome guy's shown up. She's like, wait a second, what the hell? Yeah, and of course, and of course, you could, you, could, I could write a sonnet to Darcy, 
Kat Dennings oh, yeah. is she's so hilarious. great. <laughs> and and, and see, she's the comic relief, essentially. Yep. But, you know, yep. uh, having the, a, a woman be the comic relief is also a, a minor step forward, too. But, yeah, there's, there, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot. That we, I think that if uh, someone out there, if they haven't already, should probably do the, the feminist version of this because I am not qualified to, to be saying that. To, I feel like that would be the Marvel Mansplaining podcast, and I don't want to do that. But I'm, but I'm aware of it as well. Ah, yes, yes. No, I, I think there's more to it with um, not just the who are the female characters, what are they yeah. doing, oh, how yes. is it set up? I mean, Asgard in general is just crap if you're a woman. I mean, you get right. look at his his wife has to stand off the side. She's the queen. She's got all these cool sorcery powers, and she's a badass with a blade. You don't get to see that until the second movie, but it still exists. Exactly. So why is it automatically Loki? Why is this? Why isn't Frigga? Well, I I have no idea. There's so many things that I just go, wow. So I get that you're drawing from mythology, and you can't suddenly rewrite it to say that things were different, but. Uh, I would I would posit that they did a very good job of illustrating that the problems and issues are caused by what's wrong with that Asgardian yes. society as a whole. And I think that's really smart and reflective now mm-hmm. that we have all these movies to look at. Um, I think they're doing a good job of showing that every society, every culture yes. has some problems and eventually kind of rots from the inside out and has trouble and falls apart from the inside out be- when they don't deal with it when they don't do what they're supposed Mm -hmm. to do in terms of parenting or in terms of as a society making good choices and, um, you know, holding people accountable for things. I I think, you know, again, that's more of a comparison for other movies, but Thor is the the genesis of this. um, And I think it obviously is the movie that really pulled in that extra universe, um, you know, the supernatural aspects that weren't there before in the first few movies. Having to figure out how to, have Asgard and and make it have it make sense that not it's not this guys guys it's like oh it's yep. a different they're aliens essentially and their their magic and technology are all intermingled and so we don't understand what it is but there is a a technology to it uh, I think it was a brilliant idea I think that's yep. that's a way to sort of bring people in to make them understand without having it be just gods and goddesses stepping down and like yeah they, uh, what's his power yeah he's do it because that's his power right it's not a clash of the titans. You know, or something like that. It, they did it. They did it in a very—I um, don't want to say—in uh, a, in a much more realistic way. And you know, of course, yes, it's beautiful. Uh, that's the other piece of it. Is when the, I think they, he was masterful at the way he makes the Earth look so kind of gritty yeah. and dirty, and it's rainy, and there's not a lot of color in that town. You know that they're in. It's it's the desert. It's brown, and and then you get to Asgard, and you've got this saturated color and waterfalls. Uh-huh. And, you know, green and things are growing and, and there's all this, everything's kind of gilded or metallic looking. Um, costuming is wonderful from everybody. The, it's a, it's very grand and epic. And I have to believe that um, Branna <laughs> had a ball with that, with being able to really push the, I don't want to say the camp level, but it's close with some of that stuff. Well, I remember, um, there's a quote that come, that from the movie that uh, the first time that uh, Chris Hemsworth and Anthony Hopkins were on set wearing their full you know, full Asgardian regalia. Uh, Anthony Hopkins turned to Chris Hemsworth and was like, well, we don't really have to do any acting at all, do we? Mm-hmm. And I, the other thing that I think is funny, and, and I, this is, I will give all credit to Kevin Feige for this. He chose really smart people to put, to bookend mm-hmm. this with. In other words, you know, the people that came before and the people that come after and his overall Marvel vision, because they do so many references later on in yes. different movies. So, you know, the, the joke, that uh in avengers that 
Robert Downey Jr. lobs at Thor, doth mother know you weareth her yeah. drapes? <laughs> it's perfect. You know, it's exactly what an uh-huh. American cocky guy is going to say to the new guy, you know, the new alpha right. that just showed up, looking like something out of a Shakespearean play. It was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, and, and so that and then so Odin, we talked about a little bit, but Anthony Hopkins, like that was yeah. that was a get. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you know that your 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 main character, your face on the poster is someone yep. that no one knows, uh, but then you have as yep. a father, you have Anthony Hopkins, who like the you know, a, a lion of the cinema, essentially. And Anthony Hopkins is one of those interesting guys where he always delivers a great performance, no matter when where he shows up. But it's sort of like I feel like his his third gear is like other actors fifth. <laughs> he can just sort of mm-hmm. hone it in on, yep. on some stuff and he's still great in it. Like when he shows up in, let's say a new Transformers movie where he's like, I don't really need to go up higher than that. <laughs> I can just sort of go mid range and I'm good. Exactly. Yeah. And, and interesting I, choices in his career for acting wise. He sure has. He is. And he's smart because he stayed relevant. He recognized that, you know, he can sit there and play the, uh, the old wise man in a bunch of Merchant Ivory movies or some such. Yeah. Or he can do fun stuff like this and get paid for it. And now he's introduced to an entire generation of people that didn't understand his work um, or maybe were too young to be introduced to Hannibal Lecter. Or, you know, they haven't they haven't seen those movies yet, for example. And I don't mean to only pick on a couple things, but, you know, he, he was a little bit dry, I think, before Thor came along and kind of sparked things up again i would say too yeah he had that he had that air about him of like that oh he was handled lecter and he and the merchant ivory stuff he's like very british dry crusty and then you see him in this literally snarling at people yeah (laughs) watch them and when that's that scene where the the three of them are in the sending room um and they're all just tearing Mm -hmm. into each other well i should say thor and and odin are tearing into each other then loki wisely is just yep. standing off to the side just watching this happen like hey i put this whole thing together this is working out yeah i'm gonna let these two tear each other apart yeah. it's working out my plan is working perfectly because that one that one point where he where loki starts to say something and then <laughs> owen just literally turns him and just roars at him mm-hmm. <laughs> ah i love that that's just like one of those those great moments. but that's that's the scene though. i mean that this is these this is a comic book movie of these people playing as guardian gods uh and that scene is crackling with energy literally and figuratively they are are really really going at it with each other and so like that that is that's where the having a kenneth branagh really pays off because he can get them to that place where it's emotionally true mm-hmm. and not just you know people in fancy shiny outfits parading around each other which we've, we've seen those movies and they don't always work yeah that's true you're right i think uh yeah i hadn't thought of that and i also think it was you know clear casting that he cast another Shakespearean actor in that in his movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. Renee Russo was a wonderful get because oh, she's yes. known for being so tough. And, you know, her career was based in movies. I mean, just the lethal weapon ones alone yeah. um, where she plays a badass or Thomas crown affair. She's a complete badass. God, in that, she is or... so amazing in Thomas crown affair. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think the casting to come back to that for a moment was dynamite. Yeah. Uh, even in these lesser profile roles, People bring the actor brings with them their resume, literally yeah. their history. So when I see her on screen, I'm knowing, oh wow, look at her. Yeah. And so I'm reading that into her character, even though you know, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, Frigga, but there she is. You know, and yeah. Anthony Hopkins, his gravitas and everything, and there he is, and like you said, spitting and whatever. And yeah. another side character that I absolutely adore that I wish had gotten more screen time and everything is 
Oh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Balder. Ray Stevenson. Oh, Ray Stevenson. I, was gonna say, I thought you were going to say Idris Elba as Balder. But we'll get, oh, we'll of get course. Yes, we'll get to him. Um, yeah. But no, Ray Stevenson as... Uh, um, Volstagg. Volstagg, yes. He's mm-hmm. the big guy who loves to eat. Yep. For those of you who yep. don't know character names, he's the big guy. He was in my one of my favorite TV series of all time, uh, HBO's Rome. He played a main character in that, a badass, just a great... He's a really good actor. You're right. As, as in this, in a fat suit and a beard, I, I didn't even recognize it, but you're right. He was. There. Yes, exactly. He would go on to play the Punisher, too. He played a Punisher in a, in a very uh, interesting Punisher movie called Punisher Warzone. Did he really? Oh, God, no, I missed that. I uh, But I'm a fan of his work, and I enjoy seeing him. I like Jamie King as well. I'm uh, not Jamie King. Jamie um, Alexander, I yes. think, again, underutilized, but, uh, but she does a good job. And I think they tried to do more with her in the subsequent movies to kind of give her a little more screen I think time. a lot of these they took the role hoping that they would eventually be expanded on further on down the line. And I think, and, and for a lot of them, it did pay off. I mean, Idris Elba yeah. is, I think, you know, one of those things where it's like, you do the same kind of thing. With very little work, he has a definite presence. Yep. Yep. I mean, he has, has well a lot born. to do, but he makes a lot of doing it. And what's interesting about him is even being like, sort of like the, the gatekeeper, He's interesting, and he's make, he surprises. You know, he's you know he's you know he when they first show up, like and Loki's going to sweet talk him. He's like, "You're not dressed warm enough." Like he already knows. Mm-hmm. He knows what you're doing. He knows your plan. He knows how he's going to react to it. He's just waiting to see what you have to say. Yep, exactly. And, and it's a lot, a lot, a really good actor to be able to convey all those things in just a few lines. And same thing, he gradually is is getting bigger stuff as as the movies go on too. Um, it's, it's nice that, and it's nice that he'll come back to do this. And the same thing with the Warriors Three too. Um, you have Josh Dallas as playing. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember his character name yeah. at the moment, but uh, he eventually had to leave to to do Once Upon a Time, and so he'll be recast in the future movies as well. Uh, well, I was going to if if I can take us on a slight not a tangent, but a bit of a turn. The some of these actors probably took these roles, as you said, hoping for something more. And I think their characters, mm-hmm. you know, too, they were hoping that maybe my character will grow, I'll get some more time, whatever. Um, so can we talk for a second about mo- how the movie, I think Thor does a good job of setting up that it is a movie with a beginning, middle and an end in its own right. It does not leave all these, you know, plot holes open or, well, they'll tie it up in the sequel, whatever, because that makes me mental. They knew going in, they knew going in, you're going, you're going to have three Thor movies minimum. Like this is all planned out. They know, they know at this point when they're getting into this, that this is what the Marvel cinematic universe is going to look like. So, you know, we don't know when everything's going to be released yet, but they're starting to put all this together at this point. And so I like the fact that they still delivered us a movie that had, like I said, a beginning, a middle and an end. Yes. You know, you think Loki at the end, he's done for, and you know, whatever. And, Yes, it's cool that they did stuff with him subsequent to that. But if that was the end of him, it's still a proper ending. Yes. It's a proper ending where Thor has learned something. Actually, it's a very Shakespearean thing, too, of like they, they've gone on the journey yep. and they've, it does things. And then, you know, heroes are rewarded, villains are punished, yeah. you know, that, that feeling. But you're absolutely right. That, that is, it, is a, it had definitely watching Thor eventually grow. And interesting, I saw in watching at the end of this where he sort of sacrifices himself to save him. You know, it looks like Loki's giving up and then just turns around and just backhands Thor into yep. oblivion. Um, that uh, he's resurrected. And it was like, I was watching it, I'm like, oh, you know, it's interesting. It's like, this is, it's, it's kind of the Jesus story, but they didn't really play it that way. Hmm. It is played as like, you know, his, that he proved himself worthy. So therefore he gets the power, he comes back and, the, and fights it too. Whereas you have something like, 
Man of Steel <laughs> plays the Jesus card so heavily that it's like, okay, not everyone who comes back from the dead needs to be Jesus. And look, Thor shows exactly how to do it without having to play a lot of, even though it, this is a religious kind of thing, without having a lot of religious overtones. Yeah, I think, no, I agree. And I think they focused more on the epic and less on the um, the epic and the hero's journey. You know, it doesn't, yeah. Yes. As opposed to let's cast this in a Judeo-Christian light where of course he's going to mm-hmm. martyr himself and you know be resurrected and all that business yeah that was wise no, do you i mean do you i mean like you're you thinking hero's journey just generically or you mean like joseph campbell hero's journey i think i mean both okay because <laughs> i because i don't see thor's thing really lining up as well because well i, don't know, I guess i i don't have the the thing in front of me that would be another scholarly discussion because i like i think of it in terms like the luke skywalker mm-hmm. or the or the bilbo thing or the frodo i should say um where like they start out and they're having an idyllic right. life and then and then the adventure comes and they refuse it and then it comes and it knocks them on their butts and then they have to go have a wise right. mentor. Thor doesn't really follow a lot of that stuff because he doesn't really refuse the call. He doesn't really have a wizard mentor. I don't, I, yeah, and I'm not talking, I'm talking about just in Yeah, journey, yeah, just a journey of a hero. Where they have to actually pick up and, like you said, learn something. Usually, you know, they they stumble out of the cave, whatever the cave is, of, of not knowing anything mm-hmm. into wisdom. And wisdom is, oh, wow, there's a world outside my cave. And then it suddenly gets bigger uh, and they yeah. meet with different people. Different people come into their lives to teach them things. And then toward the end of it, they've come away with some piece of wisdom and then the cycle repeats itself again, which is what we see in this yeah. entire thing. You know, whether you want to talk uh, this movie, the second, the third, etc. And it, you know, that's yeah. that's the idea. That's what I'm talking about, the epic hero journey. So, yes, you could talk about Joseph Campbell, but the idea of the hero journey goes back to Beowulf. Um, but, no, I just mean, in general, he really fits that that idea. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it gets knocked down and, yeah. and has to, has you to... know, and, and, and sacrifice himself. Yep. I mean, like, all that stuff fits mm-hmm. right in. And interesting in this, that we have, we've had Iron Man, like, Tony Stark is, is I, I talked about in, in that podcast, that I, I really like the fact that he was a grown-up. Like, he was a man. He had, like, he had, he had gone through it. He had his life planned out, and then this thing happens, and then it, it turns, uh, uh, divert, t- turns his whole life. Thor doesn't have, already has all of his abilities. Like, he is the same guy. Like, he doesn't suddenly get the hammer and beget, and get the power of Thor. He's always been that way. And he's the oldest of all of the characters, and yet he comes across as sort of the youngest because he's been living in this bubble his whole life. Yep, exactly. He has no maturity. So when he kind of meets up with him, yeah, he has no maturity. He's, because he's just used to, like, you know, I, if I can't solve with a hammer, then it's not a problem that needs to be solved. Like, that that sort of mentality, but he always had the ability and then he gets his stuff taken from him and then has to learn how to be a better person before he has his powers back. But it's not the, the story of Thor is not how he gets his powers or how he uses his powers. Right. It's not an origin story in that respect. Right. It's worthiness. It's like he has, he has to be a better person, mm-hmm. which which is good. Is it? It's a great idea, but also for a young studio yep. is really, really bold. It really is. For them to try and do. I mean, they really could have easily done it just Thor smashing stuff with his hammer, but instead they tried to make, they took a much more difficult path. Interesting. Uh, and, and it paid off, which is, which is the other, the, the weird alchemy of Marvel movies is that they take these risks and they work. I mean, I, we just, we've just coming off Iron Man 2 where not, a, not everything worked. No. <laughs> they tried some things that didn't quite really come together the, the right way they hoped they were to, but now we, we pivot to Thor, which is a much harder sell. You think? You know, getting people on board. 
I think because Thor's yeah. obviously a popular character, and you know you have that that instant name recognition where you can put out a movie called Zorro or sure, and people know what you're talking about. People know what you're talking about, but the, like having to have a a god, essentially a god of of thunder and lightning, uh, and and make it accessible to people, I think was a much more difficult thing than kid gets bitten by a radioactive spider and now can climb walls. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I was thinking of it from a point of view and I think I, I don't remember what year Game of Thrones premiered in. I think it was 2010. Uh, it could be. I mean, I can look it up while you're, while you're talking. I think, I think it was right. Yeah. I was going to say, so where I'm going with this is looking back, it seems to me like a fantasy epic would, they knew it was going to do well because mm. it's a fantasy True. epic, but I'm saying that in the era of, Everybody in the world watches Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. you know, here in the United States, worldwide, if you ask somebody what they're watching, they might say Game of Thrones. Like this is this is a popular thing. I'm, I'm I grabbed that by the way from somebody else. This is not my 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 idea here. Um, but the point being, they um, I think I'm looking at it from a different lens because to me it wasn't much of a a gamble because you've got you've got a built-in audience that's going to like this because it looks like fantasy. Oh, and it's superhero. Oh, and it's a big action movie with lots of cool effects and, you know, bad guys versus good guys, you know, whatever it appeal to the kids. It appeals to the parents, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. you know, so, so from what I can see, the first episode of game of Thrones dropped about a month before Thor. Okay. So, so it wouldn't have had any effect then because Thor was way it wouldn't in have any effect except that, except that it was in the zeitgeist. Sure. Yeah. People knew it was coming and people were excited about right. it, but it hadn't premiered and nobody knew if it was going to be good. But I think even the two of them, yeah, exactly. And I think the two of them were sort of like also banking on, man, yeah. I hope people are ready yeah. for fantasy. Because fantasy has always been the hardest thing to sort get, of get across. To get your, your average mainstream person into, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, like they can understand a guy in a metal suit sure. flying around shooting robots. Yeah. But like, they can understand. as soon as it becomes about wizards yeah. And, yeah. and dragons and lightning bolt. I mean, there is a, not, there's not a dragon, but there is a, a, a beast of sorts in this. So, I mean, like there oh, yeah. is giant mythological creatures running around yeah mythological this. creatures i think that's a good point the uh you know star wars yeah. made it cool to like sci-fi but it was game of thrones that made it cool to like fantasy oh yeah hmm. yeah that would be my yeah. i like that that's a, i think and i think that's probably a good point to end on <laughs> all right so uh yeah so thor is it's still it still holds up uh it, it still has a it's a little slow to start as I was watching, I find myself attention drifting away as sort of the heavy Asgardian things. But uh, I think it still really is really important to the. It's interesting also, uh, well, as a side note, they still ride horses. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, oh I yeah, remember that? I cannot reconcile what's happening with them scientifically in terms yeah. of their ability to use um, quantum uh, particles and whatnot yeah. for transportation and stuff. And the fact that they ride horses and... Uh -huh like drink out of earthenware jugs and whatnot i mean i don't know what hi how is any of this working i think it's a it's 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 like it's like they found the motif they liked yep. and they just they stuck with it they're like you know what this is what like like we could find way more efficient ways to do this now no, no yeah. i'm, just, <laughs> exactly. I'm just gonna stick with what works i like this well and i my other thought was this is where i didn't grow up with the comic books uh, women my age didn't do that. Um, and so I didn't know, you know, maybe that was how it was in the comic books. And they're just being super faithful to the fact that they had all this magic and wonder or how we would describe it as magic and wonder, but they couldn't figure out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe they didn't bother with combustion engines, but they walk or ride horses to get everywhere. That to me was like, really? I, wow. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I know. Not even like, uh, like chariots. 
Like not I, even that, I just still know. just riding. I don't know. I do not know. Flying chariots, huh? Right. Uh, did you ever see the the one shot that went along with this? I don't think the Marvel so. Marvel one shot. No. Uh, a funny thing. Uh, it's a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. <sighs> It doesn't ring a bell. Oh, so I, we talked about this a little bit last. But this will be like from our, our last uh, last point, and then I'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I just I just I remember that I wanted to talk about this. So there is a Marvel one shots the the uh, little short films they would put on the DVDs when they came out, uh, not Blu-rays, but DVDs. Eventually, uh-huh. Blu-rays as well. Um, they did, and they would do these little short films where they allow new people to try, try out some stuff. And this one was about Agent Col. It's it's a really simple story. Agent Colson stops to get to get gas at a gas station about on his way to go out to New Mexico to investigate Thor's hammer. Got it. So while he's in the grocery store, of course it gets robbed and he has to take out these guys uh, using only the things that are in the grocery store. Awesome. Jackie Chan and, style. Yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a great short film. I, I it's one thing is I, I, I like, I would like to send some people, you know, like, Hey, go watch it here. But I, I had, I had an almost impossible time tracking it down to try and find uh-huh. it. But if you can find it, it is very, very good. Okay. I think it's only on the DVD of, of Thor, not on the Blu-ray, not on the digital version. Okay. So, but it's very, very funny. And it's, and it's, and it's agent Coulson being agent Coulson. And it's like the entire action scene happens in the time it takes his car to fill up. That's awesome. It's, it's great. He like does all this stuff and then, and then, and then, and then he walks, maybe gets back to the car it's finished filling up he puts the thing in and drives off it's like a five minute short film so for those of you who are interested in reading the comics i always like to give a little recommendation um the uh, you can you can try out the the stuff of of jms's run like i said he starts always starts out really really strongly it just it doesn't ever really get resolved it just sort of fades away um it's but there's some good comics along the way but if you really want to get into some good stuff with thor uh jason aaron's run on thor and then um uh mighty thor i I remember what the other, as you just call it, Thor, um, has been fantastic. And that's where Thor, uh, this Thor that we know, uh, loses his worthiness and basically steps down and then someone else has to step up and become Thor. And it's a female Thor. Uh, and her identity is part of the mystery and the, and, and they travel to all the realms and introduce a ton of great characters. Uh, and then of course, uh, the unworthy Thor comes back into the story as well. It's, it, it's still going on and it's, it's just really, really, really good. So it's some really good Thor epic stories, uh, and, and including a, big Thor versus Odin battle. Like those, one of those things that this has been a long time coming. Like let's, let's throw each other through planets kind of fight. Wow. That's good, 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 good stuff. Um, so thank you, Shaw, for taking some time out of your day to talk about Thor. I enjoyed it. This was super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. So uh, um, thank you very, very listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, next episode to talk about Captain America, oh. the first Avenger. I'm so sad. I'm going to miss that. <laughs> it should be a good one. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you, Engineer Alice, for uh, for making us sound way better than we ought to be. Um, and we will we will catch you next time. You've been listening to the Road to Infinity podcast, brought to you by Legible Scrawl. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or even at our website at www.legiblescrawl.com. We'll see you further on up the road.